ministry. And you may be seated, I'm sorry. Uh, I was talking about spiritual ministry and how to minister to the needs of people. And tonight, tonight I, uh, I want to take this to a different level. This is something that I've preached on before, and I don't, I don't touch on it a lot simply because people uh, still uh, are not, they claim to be Pentecostal, but they don't believe in anything supernatural outside of speaking in tongues. Like speaking in tongues wasn't a supernatural act. I've never been able to figure that out, but there's churches full of people uh, that call themselves apostolic Pentecostal that uh, go no further than speaking in other tongues. But uh, there's a great deal more to it, and I'm a strong believer that we have been for some time in end-time revival. But the end of end-time revival is going to be much more spiritual, supernatural, uh, intense, if you would, than the beginning or even the middle. And I feel that we're closely starting to approach, if not already approached, the end part of this great end-time revival. And I, I'll just put it to you this way. The certainty of ongoing revival is as sure as God's Word. We believe that God's Word is sure, but this, uh, this certainty of ongoing revival is as sure as His Word. For He said in Joel 2.28 that I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. Revival has to do with the church. Evangelism has to do with the lost gathered in by the outpouring of His Spirit. Revival is church. Evangelism is the lost. Revival has to stir up the church to plant the seed so that we can reap the harvest in the church. That is always and always will be the key to true end-time revival. We come in, we try to somehow uh, mix if you would. We, we, we try to mix things that shouldn't be. When we have a series of what we call revival services, normally they should be pointed at just the church. When we have an evangelistic move of God, it should be pointed at the lost. And that's, this, this is, I, I'll get into where I'm talking in just a minute, but I, I, want, I want this clarified. I want us to understand this more than ever before. It is, it is necessary, it's essential for us to realize that if we have what we call an evangelistic thrust with a series of preaching, it's not necessarily for you. If we have a revival, it's oriented to the church, it's for the church. And it's to stir up the church. What really should happen within a series of services should be a thrust or a revival service to stir us up. Then we should have an evangelistic thrust and that we could come in here and preach Acts 2.38 without you getting bored. I want to be sure we got all the crud out of the microphone before I go any further. You don't have to constantly be inspired. Now you not. This is a Wednesday crowd, not the Sunday bunch. You do not have to be constantly inspired. You don't have to constantly. Uh, you are a, a group of people that should understand by now that you are a core group of prayer warriors, altar workers, 
a group of people who should have enough supernatural understanding to be able to come in here, and if I've got two lost people in this church, I ought to be able to preach those lost people without you getting bored. All right? That is the way that it should be. I hope and pray that we can, if our churches in this whole area would grow up to that fact, we would have a, a move of God that would surpass anything else because everybody in this place would be in one mind and one accord to reach those two lost people that are sitting in a congregation. Let me just go one step further with it. You know how I believe in worship? Well, and I believe in it, but if you don't get your, your, your 15 or 20 minutes of worship, you can't stand it or whatever it is, and you think God's not there, there's something wrong with you. How do you know that we're not going to have a, a move of God through the preaching of the Word, the first 20, 30 minutes of church, and then have a worship service afterwards? You have, we, we get ourselves so stuck in the same old rut that we cannot get our minds around. God doesn't have to do things according to you. And not only that, I want you to know that a long time ago you can have the best you can have the best preaching on the face of the earth and I can worship and love God right in the middle of it and take in every bit of it without distracting one person. Everybody said? Everybody said it again? Interspersed throughout the New Testament church are accounts that are written in the scriptures concerning incidents with angels. Now, while I do not believe that this subject should be spooky nor treated as such, I believe angels are real. I know for a fact. Last uh, years ago, I preached about angels, and I had one, one young man. He's not here anymore. I'm not sure if he's around anymore. But he made the statement. He said, I just don't believe you've seen any angels dealt angels. And I said, why do you believe that? Well, it changes you. I said, how do you know that I'm not changed? I said, what gave you the right to look at me and tell me I'm not changed when you hardly even know me. That's what he said. I said, so you, so you are, uh, you know, you are God. You can look into my heart and you can tell me I'm not changed. I said, that's fine. I mean, I believe in judging. You sit there and judge, but just remember, boy. I said, you're going to be judged by the same measure you just judged me. But you see, there again, apostolic. Apostolic Pentecost spoke in tongues and, and will delete exactly 94 different, well, 94 different scriptures, 34 books in the Bible that talk about angels. Okay? So they are. I believe angels are real and are given for the purposes of the church. And we also find angels throughout the Old Testament. Angels are sin of God, and we should not expect to do His work without using, listen to me, every means He has given and intends for His body to use. Why can't we do everything that God says we can do in this? Someone help me with that. Why is it, why is it that we, we judge every other denomination by what they don't do in this, and yet we are just as guilty of not doing the same thing? We don't do everything. We stop short, and we are afraid we're going to get into charismatic, latter rain, all this, and we stop short of using this whole book. Do not judge unless, again, you're willing to be judged with that same amount of judgment. I, I can't stand a hypocritical person who don't, don't use it. I, I'm not saying that everybody's going to deal with this, but I'm saying the possibility does exist. Just like every person in the church, everybody that is Spirit-filled can have every one of the gifts of the Spirit according to the Scripture. Every one of them. 
And yet we don't always have it, but we could have it. So we're going to talk about angels and revival. And what you're going to hear tonight primarily is Scripture, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about, uh, I mean, I may bring up a few things, but we're going to go through Scripture. We're going to prove it biblically that it is correct. And that's what I intend to do. Angels, do angels, and this question, do angels exist? Do they exist? I know that uh, you can go to a lot of Bible bookstores and find them hanging on chains. I know that you can see them on little uh, pieces of, uh, you know, glass and all this other stuff, and people have them hanging everywhere, and they got statues of them. And, and I guess to that extent they exist, uh, but do they really exist? Do they really, are they really a part of the supernatural world? And yes, they are. And there is actually overwhelming biblical evidence to confirm this. Now, I want to say this again. If this is true, then I've got to believe in angels, and we're going, to, we're going to prove that. Their existence is mentioned at least 34 books of the Bible, and I, I said 94, but there, are, uh, there is alluding to or speaking concerning angels more than 225 verses, but 94 uh, where they're directly uh, referred to. So you have 225 verses that indirectly refer to them. Uh, Jesus spoke of them. The Old Testament patriarchs encountered them. The apostles of the New Testament encountered them. There are good and bad angels recorded in the Scriptures. And they have appeared in this time. Now, the time we're living in, they have appeared. Now, let's, let's look at some description. We're going to have this, and it should be coming up in the Amplified Bible behind me. And I'm going to take the time to turn. I did not. I'm going to give you some scriptures, but I'm not going to read every scripture that we, that we have here. They are created according to Psalm 148, verse 5. That should be coming up. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. If you go above that, which we won't, but if you go above that, you see everything that God created, the heavens and the earth. But at the first verse of Scripture, uh, we see that they were created, the angels. So they were created. God created them. What else did God create? God created the heavens, the earth, the heavens, and uh, the, the, all, the, all the stars, the planets, and he created man. So if we can, what's the matter? That messed me up. This thing don't work. All right. So, so the creation, he created them. Can you hear me? I can't hear myself. All right. Someone turn me up. Plainly to you by those who preach the good news, the gospel to you, by the same Holy Spirit sent from heaven into these things the very angels long to look at. That's what Peter said. Angels. If you look at the King James Version, he says that the angels long to look into the things that we have, the good news. Angels desire to look into and see and understand why 
we are the way we are. What makes us rejoice? What makes us clap our hands? What makes us worship the way that we worship? What makes us love the way that we love? The angels cannot quite understand that but they desire because they are intelligent beings they desire to look into it they also have feelings according to and you won't be getting this one luke 15 and 10 angels have a will jude 6 jude 6 and angels who did not keep care for guard and hold to their own first place of power, but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he has reserved in custody in eternal chains, bonds under the thick gloom of utter darkness until the judgment and doom of the greater day. Now look this, and angels who did not keep. What are we talking about here? We are talking about angels, the fallen angels, and we're going to come to that one. There are good angels and bad angels. These angels have feelings. They can actually feel like... Like we feel. Don't, don't think they can't. They have a will. I'm sorry, I said they have a will so they can will, not feelings. They have a will so they can will to do wrong. Just like Lucifer fell from heaven. Lucifer fell from heaven because he desired to be like God or take the place of God. He had a will. And you see, that's the problem with all of us. If God would ever just take... You ever notice the person said, well, if God would just make me serve him, then I could serve him then that would take all the joy out of it. And if God created an angel with a will, a will that he could either do good or do bad, if he created it, why wouldn't he create us the same way? He created us to have a will that we can make a choice. That choice is I'm going to serve God because I love him or I'm going to go my way and do what I want to do. I want to tell you something, folks. I, I'm, that's, you can either love me or hate me. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. You're not going to just, you know, do what you want to do throughout this, this life and make a decision and hope or you're going to have a deathbed, a deathbed confession. You know, some people may be able to do that, but I wouldn't take that chance. Absolutely would not take that chance. It's not good enough, and, and the church offers people a way out. God ordained the church so that people could come into the church and be saved and be part of a body. That's what he has ordained to happen. Not everybody's going to make it to heaven just because you desire to. It's people who are obedient. We have a will, just like angels have a will, and that will we make up our mind daily. I'm going to serve God today, or we can make up our mind to do something else like Lucifer did and can fall from grace. Understand that we have that. They are spirit beings. That's not going to come up. Hebrews 1.14. Mark 12, verse 25 says that they are sexless. Let's look at that. For when they arise from among the dead, men do not marry, nor are women given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. They are neuter, neither male nor female. So whenever, and this is interesting because I'm going to come to a scripture here in just a moment that's going to show you something that a lot of people don't know. This, uh, the, the very fact that angels are neither male nor female, throws us into another area. And that is when Jesus talked to the man who said, this woman had six or seven husbands, I think it was seven husbands who died. He said, who's going to be her husband in heaven? The Pharisees came to catch him on this. And he said, uh, didn't you know that we're going to be like the angels? And what he was referring to here was that there's no marriage in heaven because there's no sexual 
differentiation in heaven. So that takes us to, well, I want to, you know, and if I had a choice to have a wife in heaven, I'd keep the one I got. That would be my joy, my love. But the thing is, we are going to be so different in heaven that we're not going to think the same way. We're not going to think as male and female, which there's always tension between male and females. That's just the way things are. There's always a tension there. We're not going to think that way. We're going to be completely different. And yes, you know, we, uh, we, we can think however we want, but we're, we're, you're not going to know me as you know me now. I'm not going to know you as I know you now. Now, I know what the Bible says. We're going to be known even as I am known. But what was Paul talking about? He was talking about being even as I am known, a child of God. We're going to know each other as brothers and sisters, someone who with the same father. That's how we're going to know one another. Not in the sense that we know each other now. And these are things that, that we have to understand. And Luke 20, verse 36, they do not die. For they cannot die again, but they are angel-like and equal to angels and being sons of and shares in the resurrection. They are sons of God. So they do not die. Now, angels are not referred to, or rather, let me, let me rephrase that. They are referred to in the masculine gender most of the time, and they're sexless. But most of the time you see them referred to in the masculine gender with one exception. And as I was studying this, and I've studied this many times, the first time I've run across this. And that's in Zechariah 5, verse 9. Zechariah 5, verse 9. Then lifted I up my eyes and looked, and behold, there were two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah-sized vessel between the earth and the heavens. Could you give me verse 10? I think I intended, and I forgot. Give me verse 10, please. Well, that's all right if you can't get it. Well, here we got it. And in that day, says the Lord, there shall be heard the voice of crying from the fish gate in the wall of Jerusalem and a wailing from the second quarter of the lower city. And a, I'm sorry, was that the that one in five? Give me five and ten. I'm sorry. That's not what I'm looking. Let me get five and ten. Zechariah, five and ten. That's Zephaniah. That's all right. Anyway, it goes to that next verse, and it talks about the... the uh, the angels and it just goes about relating to them and this is the only place in the bible that you see them in the female gender and it's interesting i've wondered and i i don't really i don't really know why in this case but uh, it brings this it brings this point out an angel can look like male or female an angel can be black or white an angel can be red or green an angel can be whatever we want him to be. This takes us to the fallen angels. Now, a fallen angel is simply a bad angel. And a fallen angel, uh, according to 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, are going to or can look like an angel of light or a preacher of righteousness. So in other words, that angel can come to you, a bad angel, and can look just like me and can treat you just like I would treat you. Because they're going to be like an angel of light. They're going to look like someone that's good. Or on the other hand, and we talked about Halloween here not too long ago, they can come and they can look with horns on their head and a tail. What I'm saying is this. They can do whatever they want to to get to you. Now, 
That We don't like the thought of that, but that does happen. And we're going to come into some other areas here. Uh, if we have, I hope we have time to, to cover this the way I'd like to that will help us to understand some more things. Now, some of them have wings, according to Isaiah 6 and 2. They are innumerable, according to Hebrews 12, 22. Now, we're going to come to the next category here, and that they are organized. And we know this, and we've heard it, but we need to understand it again as well. Because God wants us to understand the purpose of angels in this last part of the end time revival. God wants us to use and know that angels are working for us and that we can see them work for us if we desire for that to happen. Now look at um, the organization, Michael the Archangel. Look at Jude 9. Jude 9. But when even the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, judiciously argued or disputed about the body of Moses, he dared not presume to bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. That's a great scripture when it comes to understanding the power of authority. Because even Michael recognized Lucifer's authority. And that's why he said, I'm not going to do anything with him, but the Lord rebuke him. So he recognized, even, uh, even in this case, Lucifer is being an archangel, though a fallen archangel. So they, so they do have organization. We also see the prince of Persia, or the chief, in Daniel 10, verse 13. Uh, in principalities and powers, in Ephesians 3, verse 10. Another verse of scripture that we use quite often. The purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God and all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities, principalities, powers in the heavenly sphere. So they, we have an organization. There is a prince over Spencer. There's a prince over Ellisville. There's a huge prince over Bloomington. And it's seated right in IU, probably in the head office. Okay, so we know where it is. And uh, it takes all the churches that are in Bloomington to keep that thing there. That, I, I guarantee you that. So these are, these are now, now understand, these are, these are principalities and powers, and they are organized. They know what they're doing. So don't take this. We know that we have power over, over the enemy. But we also have to know that anything that is wise enough to be organized will have some... It'll take some doing. You're not going to just haphazardly go out there and deal with, it, with a, a devil. You have to be sure that you're in the right condition and the right relationship with Jesus Christ before you do that. When you are in that right relationship with Jesus Christ, then there's absolutely nothing that all his organization, all the princes and the principalities can do against a child of God. If you believe that, give him a hand clap of praise. Right, they are invisible. Look at Numbers twenty two thirty one. Numbers twenty two thirty one. Did I not give you that one? Okay. Sometimes I write down a lot of scriptures, and some of them I fail to. I have in my head to put them on this, and they'll put them on the other paper. Okay. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell on his face. Now also. We know that the servant of, of Elisha, when all the armies was compassed about Elisha and his servant, that he prayed this prayer, and I want you to follow me very closely, that Elisha prayed, he said, God, open my servant's eyes that he can see that there be more that are for us than are against us. And God opened the servant's eyes. He saw an innumerable company of angels in chariots that were surrounding them. 
Now, that is the key of everything that I am teaching here today. The only reason that you do not see the invisible angels is because you've never asked God to open your eyes. And the only reason you've never asked God to open your eyes is because you know that when you can see one group of angels, that you can see all groups of angels. In other words, you will see demons, devils, as, long, as well as seeing the good angels. That can happen. We say one thing with our lips, but we have something else in our hearts. It scares us to think that I can see something like this. Or, we, we, or we're just afraid that if God shows it to us, who are we going to tell? Because nobody's going to believe us. Let me, let, me, let me help you with that. It doesn't matter who you tell. It doesn't matter if anybody knows whether you've seen one. Just the very fact that you've seen one. Just the very fact that God verifies that He's taking care of you. What more do you want than that? What more can be greater than to, than to know that God has sent an angel down to take care of you? Angels can bring healing under their wings. Angels can bring a lot of wonderful things. And I'm asking here, I want you to just stop for a minute. I want you to stand with me. I want you to raise your hands. This is the Wednesday crowd. We can, we can believe God for anything. Let's raise our hands and let's ask God. I want you to ask. I'm not asking for you. I want you to ask for yourself. God, open my eyes that I can see what's around me. Open my eyes that I can see that there are angels with healing under their wings. God, I, I, I'm asking you now. Open my eyes that I can see that there's an angel with the answer that is coming now and like Daniel like Daniel had asked for something that the prince of Persia had had hindered him but God I know that the answer is coming it may be a little late because of the hindrance but the answer is coming open my eyes that I may see that I may have understanding of it right now begin to worship and love God now with me begin to worship Oh, there's an answer on the way, and the angel of the Lord has it. And when the angel of the Lord shows up with the answer, God's going to open your eyes, and you're going to see it right there before you. It's going to happen. You're going to come to this man of God, and you're going to tell me, I've seen an angel before this week is over. You're going to tell me that you've seen it. You're going to know that it's happened, and that angel's going to bring healing under its wings. You're going to feel the encouragement, the peace. You're going to feel the strength begin to enter your body. You're going to feel that you're no longer the person that you was just a few days ago because God has sent an angel and that angel has peace, it has healing it has deliverance and it has power under its wings and it's going to make a difference in your life mm, mm, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Oh, Don't you ever think that God can't bring sin? An angel is a ministering spirit sent to minister for 
the heirs of salvation. It didn't say two. It says for the heirs of salvation. You know what that means? That means an angel can go before you and can open a door for you for a job. An angel can go before you and open a door for the right person in your life, whether it be a husband or a wife. He can go and open the door for you to have deliverance in whatever area you need deliverance. The angel is going before you. You just need to have your eyes open that you may see. You may be seated. They are reapers at the end of the age, according to Matthew thirteen thirty nine. They are holy, according to Matthew twenty five thirty one. Now, the third group, what do angels do? What do they do? Luke two ten says they are messengers to announce. Matthew four eleven says they came to minister to Jesus. Luke twenty two forty three says they strengthened him in Gethsemane. And they are, and this is the one that I quoted earlier, they are servants to the believers in Hebrews 1, verse 14. Hebrews 1, verse 14. Are not the angels, all ministering spirits, servants, sent out in the service of God for the assistance, look at this, for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation. That's what I just said, for the assistance to those. Do you know an angel stands beside you? All the time waiting for you not to order him. You don't order him. You ask God about it. And God orders him. But what the angel is doing is he's looking. I'm going to come back to that. But he's looking at you to see you're an heir of salvation. I don't understand how all this works because I've never been lost. Thus he can never be saved. But I do would like to, he said, I'd like to understand this. But I do know this. I know God's word. And I'm looking for the woman who's not cut her hair. You read it. You read it. It's there. I'm looking for the woman and the man who has been obedient. I'm looking for the person who is, he's looking, he's watching. These are, these are, little, these are little things that he looks at all the time. He's an intelligent being and he knows the Word of God. And he's waiting more than anything else for you to speak words of faith. I know. I'm not ignorant. Contrary to popular belief. But I know this. And I'm as sure of this as anybody that ever has been sure of anything. I am just as guilty as anyone else of being sometimes to the point where you, you just get so sick of life in general. That all you can say is negative and bad things. And I've taught on being snared by the words of your mouth before, but we're going to talk about it just for a minute. All of us have that tendency. You get tired of, of, of the grocery bill going up. You get tired of utilities. Every time you don't have money, they jack, they jack them up again. Every time you need it the worst, it seems like somebody's after you. But you've got all the power of heaven standing right beside you waiting for the right words, waiting for you to speak the Word of God. I never a righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. When's the last time when you looked down you didn't have enough money for food that you ever really said that? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. But you see, that's what the angels are looking for. Folks, we're, we're quickly entering into the time that the old saints lived through. And some of you, it's been around for a while, know exactly what I'm talking about. 
during the Great Depression that you've maybe heard mom or dad or grandma or grandpa talk about what they didn't have. You've heard some of them, but some of you have been in church for years. And you've heard your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa talk about, you know, somebody dropping a loaf of bread or a sack of groceries. They never ask anything for it. They never ask anybody about it. All they asked was God. What were they doing? They were asking God and believing God was going to do it. An angel heard it, and he went and put it in somebody's heart. That's what we're entering into. That's what God wants His people to do today. I, I, I don't believe God is going to do any less for this generation than He did for past generations. And the only way for us to be able to, to, to go through and to see some of the miracles and the great things that God can do is for us to get into such a fix that we see people getting into now. I know what the Bible says. You, you hear me. I know what the Bible says about you see your brother in need, you give him what he has need of, okay? And sometimes, I mean, that's the right thing. God blesses us for giving. But what happens when the church no longer has it to give? I mean, do we depend on the church or do we depend on God? Now, what's, you stop and think about what I'm saying. I help and love to help, but there's a limit to it. If you folks knew what we went through in one week of the amount of people that asked for, for money, for food, for whatever, you wouldn't believe it. There would be no way that we could cover it. And you have to turn down people. But I also know that there's a God in heaven that can see to it that you get things outside of asking for welfare all the time. Nobody likes what happened, but it's a truth. You know, some of the programs that we have today and some of the things that some of the early people, uh, some of our early church, our forefathers had to endure, they had to go straight to God and God had to deal with somebody about it. And maybe the problem with us is that we're not sensitive enough to the Spirit of God. If we were sensitive to the Spirit of God, all of us, then maybe we could hear what God's trying to say to us and we could be more blessed because we could go right to the source of helping people. I know some of you, there's people in here that do it. I know you. I, I, believe it or not, I know who you are. And thank God for it. And I guarantee you that the people that do that have never done without. Never done without. You know, sometimes you have to make choices. And, you know, you, you got one person who needs uh, $100 to run to another state or somebody who needs $100 because they're starving to death. Now, who do you give the money to? There's certain things you just, there's not proper to ask for. And everybody said, that's good preaching. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Angels love to do what I like to do. Camp out. Psalm 34 and 7. Angels of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, who revere and worship him with all, and each of them he delivers. Look at that. Angel of the Lord, that's what I said, encamps around those who fear him, who revere and worship him with all. There's a key there, isn't there? Now, I know the Amplified brings it out a little more than King James, but look at that, who revere and worship him with all. Anybody, give me, hold your hand up, don't blurt it out. What's all? Anybody, come on, I know some of you great scholars in here. What's all? A-L-L is something you wash dishes with or something? What? Withholding nothing. That's good. That's good. Another way of looking at all is, I, I, I know, it, all is exactly, when, when I got married, my wife came down and she looked at me and she just stops and goes, 
That's all. <laughs> and when you, when you worship God, it's got to be, I've never had anything so wonderful in my life. I have never been in the presence of something as great as what I'm in the presence of right now. That's, wor- that, that's worship at all. You know, I, I, I see, occasionally you get to see that. Uh, you know, when a person is really to the point they need to be with God and, you know, they're, they're prayed up and they've been fasting and, and you can see worship. You know, sometimes we worship to try to get there. Occasionally we see people that already arrived worship. And when they begin to, to worship, they come out of the prayer room, they've already, they've already touched God, and their worship is with all. It's just, a, you know, you, you're so great, God. There, there's, there's no way of describing you. And that's what it takes for an angel of the Lord to encamp about you, about you. Because you, he's not going to deliver you and help you unless you feel that way about the one that created him. That's what makes the difference. They discern good and bad, according to 2 Samuel 14, verse 17. And she, my last, or not my last one, but one of the, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's not either. I have not found one scripture. I have not found one scripture where an angel ever healed anyone or cast out a demon. It's not there. And you get some of these people who worship angels who believe that they're the ones that do everything. But you will never find in the scripture where they ever cast out a devil or heal anyone. They are given to be guardians over little ones, according to Matthew 18, verse 10. Matthew 18, verse 10, Beware that you do not despise or feel scornful toward or think, uh, think little of one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always are in the presence and look upon the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now notice that. You go mistreating a kid, they've got an angel that stands in the presence of God all the time. So you fathers who don't take your kids deer hunting, think about it. <laughs> you fathers who, who, who neglect these, and I know, I know, you know, you, you may look at this and we may laugh. But just keep that in mind that that's how God thinks about these little ones. I, I think about that scripture every time I see somebody who's too lazy to get up and bring their kids to Sunday school. I think about that when Tony goes out and has to go in the houses and get these kids because mom and dad won't get out, they're too hungover. You know, mom and dad want to go to hell, that's one thing. But it's something completely different when it comes to your children. You would think they would love them enough. You don't think God doesn't know exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on. The angelic ministry is limited. The Jesus ministry is not. Keep that in mind. And you can compare, uh, and, and it's there, we won't do it here, but you go to Hebrews 1, 1 through 14. Hebrews 1, 1 through 14, then you can make that comparison. They respond to the voice of His Word. Now, I, I, um, I don't think I've got that one. I, I don't. But it's Psalm 103, verse 20. So it's important, and I made that statement earlier, it's important to speak words of faith. Because that's what they respond to. They do not respond to words of whining. They do not respond to words of negativity. They do not respond. In fact, they don't listen at all. They respond to words of faith. And we all go through our whining times. If you want to whine, whine to your husband or your wife or your children or something like that. It's okay. But if you want healed and delivered, don't whine to God. Okay. That, I'm just telling you, that's, that's, uh, that just doesn't work. I mean, you can do it, but it's not going to help you any. They are used for judgment. Acts 12, 23. Acts 12, verse 23. 
And at once an angel of the Lord smote him and cut him down because he did not give God the glory, the preeminence and kingly majesty that belonged to him as a supreme ruler. And he was eaten by worms and died. Talking about Herod. So God used him. Now this is New Testament. This is New Testament. And God used him, this angel, to cut down Herod. So it's important to realize that God can use them for this purpose as well. Um, they are used in answering prayers. Look at Acts 12, verse 7. Acts 12, verse 7. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared standing beside him, and a light shone in the place where he was, and the angel gently smote Peter on the side and awakened him, saying, Get up quickly, and the chains fell off of his hands. So we see that angels are used in answering prayers. What does it? You don't pray to angels. You do not pray to angels. You do not pray to angels. You say, God, send an angel. That's how I pray. Send an angel. And at three different times I've had angels appear. I've also had demons appear. I had it happen in the old sanctuary twice. Um, I had two devils appear at the back of the church. They looked like what you would consider a werewolf. They looked that way and stood in the back corners. And I shortly thereafter had problems. I began to pray and ask God to, to help me through this, to give me the, the wisdom to understand what was going on. He sent two angels and stood over me. Shortly thereafter, the, the trouble ceased. We went into revival. And right afterwards when we built this part of the church on. So don't tell me that it doesn't work. At home one time, my wife and I both seen the same angel. And she told me what I saw before I even said it. So we both, we had a dual witness on this one. So yes, they are real and they will appear to you. They will appear to you. The believer's responsibilities to angels. What is our responsibility to an angel? What are we to do? We are to be, this is interesting, we are to be an example. Look at 1 Corinthians 4 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 9. For it seems to me that God has made an exhibit of us apostles, exposing us to view last of all like men in triumphal procession who are sentenced to death and displayed at the end of the line. For we have become a spectacle to the world, a show in the world's amphitheater, with both men and angels as spectators. So the angels, like I said earlier, are watching spectators. They're looking at us. They're wondering about us. You know, I can imagine that, you know, us being created in the image of God, how that they look and how they wonder and probably wonder why we do and act the way we do. And so they're looking at us, and what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be good examples. Uh, we are to confess Christ before men, Luke, Luke 12, 8 and 9. Luke 12, 8 and 9. And I tell you, whoever declares openly speaking out freely and confesses that he is my worshiper and acknowledges me before men. The Son of Man also will declare and confess and acknowledge him before the angels of God. Look at that. Uh, I'll go ahead next one. That's good. But he who disowns and denies and rejects and refuses to acknowledge me before men will be disowned and denied and rejected and refused acknowledgement in the presence of the angels of God. So God will acknowledge us if we acknowledge him, if we confess Christ before men. Could that be another thing that stops us from seeing angels? Are we not as good as witnesses as we should be? If we were better witnesses, would we see more angels? And that tells me that's the case. If I confess Jesus Christ before men, then Jesus Christ will confess me before the angels. He's going to say, you see Robertson down there, he's, he's talking about me, he's teaching Bible studies. I want you to take special care of him. 
I want you to walk around with him. Keep all the bad boys away from him. Just a point. I mean, you can sit back there and say, I don't believe Robertson because I've never seen one. Well, maybe I confess more than you do. We are to speak the word of God to give it a voice. Psalm 103, 2021. We are to respect their position, Exodus 23 and 20. And we are not to worship them. Revelations 22, verse 8. Revelations 22, verse 8. And I, John, am he who heard and witnessed these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell prostrate before the feet of the messenger angel who showed them to me to worship him. Verse 9. Can you do there? Yes, thank you. But he said to me, refrain, you must not do that. I am only a fellow servant along with yourself and with your brethren, the prophets, and with those who are mindful of and practice the truths contained in the messages of this book. Worship God. Worship God. We are, according to, did I give you, I think I did, did I give you Hebrews 2, 1 through 8? Okay, put that up there. Since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. Go on. For if the message given through angels, the law spoken by them to Moses, was authentic and proved sure, and every violation and disobedience received an appropriate, just, and adequate penalty. How shall we escape appropriate retribution if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered to us, letting it drift past us forever? For it was declared at first by the... Whoop, whoop, go back. Oh. No. It was verse 3. Wasn't I on 3? Yeah, Okay. And offered to us, letting it drift past us forever, for it was declared at first by the Lord himself, and it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard him speak. Now for Besides this evidence, it was also established and plainly endorsed by God who showed his approval of it by signs and wonders and various miraculous manifestations of his power and by imparting the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the believers according to his own will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the habitable world of the future, world of the future of which we are speaking. It has been solemnly and earnestly said in a certain place, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you graciously and helpfully care for and visit and look after him? For some little time you have ranked him lower than and inferior to the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. Last verse. And you have put everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's, look at this, out of man's control. But at present we do not yet see all things subjected to him. All things are subjected to man. All things. That's what it's saying. We are to give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard because if we give an earnest heed to the things that we've heard, then those things that have been placed in subjection to us, we are going to be able to use to see this end-time revival come the way that it wants to come. So the accomplishment of the present-day church depend upon the proper understanding of the spirit world. We have to know what's there. You have to get beyond the point of caring what someone thinks about you. You need to understand that God has given us angels 
to help and minister for us, to open doors for us, to clear the way for us. And we need to ask God to allow them to do so. But we cannot do this unless we know for sure that we are doing everything that God has asked us to do by and through His Word. The ministry of angels is a part of that world inasmuch as they are beings and by logical means we shall not reach our world in time. However, and this is how I believe this with all my heart, it's impossible for us through just the simple means that man has come up with to reach our world in time. Now, that's just Robertson 3 and 4, but you can say uh, what you will. That's fine. But if we accept the ministry of angels, it lifts our faith in God's Word. Listen to me. It's just this simple. If we walk around all the time in a negative sense, if we're constantly worried about something that may never happen, we're never going to be the kind of people that God has ordained for His church to be. But if we can believe in the power of the spiritual world, the unseen world, the power of angels working for us, then there is absolutely nothing that we cannot accomplish because God has given us the tools, He's given us the means, He's given us the way to reach out to this world that needs to be reached. It doesn't matter what the church down the road. It doesn't matter what your neighbor does. It doesn't matter what any. It matters what we do personally. I've got to believe that God has opened the door for me. I've got to believe that God is going to allow me to use everything in His toolbox. His word can be confirmed with signs following. Stop the mouths of the unruly and the vain talkers, according to Titus 1, 10, and 11. You know, consider this. <clears throat> consider how that Hebrews 11 records great things that happened in the lives of men who were sold out. As an example, you consider Abraham sacrificing Isaac. The angel came with deliverance. Now think about this. I want, if you don't get anything else tonight, get this one. Do you think that Abraham didn't already know about the angels? We know he did because, you know, he, he, came, he came to him on the plains of Mamre. Three men walking. Two of them were angels. One was the angel of the Lord. So Abraham already knew about angels. He already was aware of them. You're not afraid to step out by faith when you know you've got angels around you. Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't hard to offer Isaac when he knew that an angel could step in. And that's exactly what happened. He didn't ask for the angel. He knew an angel would step in. He knew that Isaac was a gift from God. And is God going to allow him to destroy him? He knew an angel could step in. If we're aware of what angels can do, then we're going to be a little bolder in faith to step out and do some things. So you can consider that one. You know, I believe that these supernatural feats were done because these people, all of them, knew that God's angels were present. Why not have a, a, have a great and, and mighty end time, end time revival today? Why not subduing Satan's kingdom? But we can do it because we have an army that's around us awaiting for the church's marching orders. That's what's stopping us. It's us. It's us not realizing what we have and what we have at our disposal. Let's stand, and again, let's begin to lift our hands, and let's begin to ask God to help us to just understand, to see, and, and to get past. L listen to me. Ask God to help you past your mental roadblocks.
mental roadblocks is that rational part of your mind that tells you, yes, I've received the Holy Ghost. I know I can speak in tongues. I know that's supernatural because I've done it. But those of you that have not yet been involved in angels, you still have to get past that roadblock. If those of you out there, and there are a few that has dealt with angels before, ask God to reestablish that connection, to believe that God can still send an angel to work with you. Let's raise our hands right now. Let's just begin to love Him. Father, we thank You for everything You've done. Let us, let us believe here tonight. Let us, let us get past every mental roadblock. Let us believe, Jesus, that the angels are still about us. Let us believe now, the God, that you're going to do something great in the very end part of this time time that we're living in. Jesus, that this mighty army that's surrounding us even now, this mighty army, Jesus, that if you would just open one pair of eyes, they could see hundreds of them as they stretch around this church. If you would just open one, God, right now they could understand the power, Lord, that you have and what you can do. Oh, keep your minds on the Lord just for a few minutes. Just raise your hands if you can. If you can't, it's fine. Keep your mind on the Lord. Just worship Him. Worship Him. Love Him. Let God open your eyes. You know, you don't have to have your eyes open to see an angel. God can show it to you in a vision. It can be right there beside you. You can see it. It can be stretched out. It can be standing over you. Uh, it can look. It can be in Roman armor. It can be an angel of light. It can be a pillar of light. It can look that way. You can see a pillar of light with just a shadow of wings. That's the way I've seen things before. I've seen it that way. And I believe... I feel strongly in the Holy Ghost that there is an angel present with healing. Uh, strongly. <laughs> there may be more than that here. I'm not saying there's not, but I'm just saying that's what I feel. There's a healing here. It's a soft warmth you're going to feel as this, as this angel just spreads its wings over you. You're going to feel a soft warmth that just will permeate through your spirit. It'll just go from one end to the other. And you're going to feel it just completely over, overpower your body. It, go, it starts from a soul level and works out. So called it Tichichanda. Isa te lo andre. Frotili chendo kondre. Dishia namo kalteto fro. Sanda tasici alla cofele ci lo cotenda calenci scena. Ciò rivivro e la chinì signore de mani mene. Sole vris in della tu. Dio ti vris in aere si. Fisciole chinio dolandes. Ole levene sale e scila e le. Sole lindo rifio la desiccia delle cime. Fu rinile la male ne velele recale endele ti. 
Angel appeared. I was standing out on the porch. It was after dark. As I stood there, a pillar of light, literally, a pillar of light just appeared beside me. As long as I stood there, it stayed motionless. And as soon as I moved, it disappeared. But it stood there. And I just, I, I gazed at it. I didn't make out any features, but I just gazed at it. And knew in my heart what I was seeing. And every time that's ever happened, there's always been a great move of God. Either in my personal life or within the church, sometimes both. They're real. They're very, very real. And if you really want to see it, you really want to see it, God will open your eyes to it. But you've got to pray and you've got to believe. And you've got to live the kind of life that puts God in all and you honor Him with everything that's within you. And you can't face an angel with fear. But you just face it with appreciation that God loves you enough to allow that ministering spirit to be there and to pave the way for you for whatever's coming up next. God bless you tonight. Shake somebody's hand, tell them you love them, and you're dismissed.